Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. All right, so let's dive in. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode. Today, we are all about celebrating members of our community who are crushing it. We have another amazing member and mentor inside of the community that we want to spotlight today. So as you all know, it's all about the return on energy for me. It's all about the return on enjoyment, not just the ROI, but I'm leaning into the ROE. And one of those approaches is partnering and leveraging the right community, being in the right rooms, and I think we're really developing an amazing platform, Annette, with what we're creating in this next phase of our midterm rental journey and is being very strategic, extremely strategic about our midterm rental arbitrage strategy. And so without further ado, I would love for you, Annette, to go ahead and introduce yourself, reintroduce yourself to the people. And let them know a little bit more about your journey, how you transitioned from being this high-end nurse doing all the things to now a high-end short-term rental, mid-term rental host that's helping others that are busy professionals in the space launch and manage their short-term rental and mid-term rentals as well. Hey, Rachel, how are you doing today? Thank you for having me. So, so excited to have you, lady. Oh, my gosh. This and I guess we'll be honest with everyone. This was our first attempt, our third attempt at recording this, because every time we were scheduled to record, we ended up chit chatting so much. We did not get it done for, for the team that's behind the scenes, uh, letting us know you got to get this recording out there for the people. Uh, I thank you for your patience. And we're really excited to make sure that we're getting this information out here for the people. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Just a little bit about me. So I've been in this short-term rental industry probably for a little bit over two years. I discovered it after taking a break from my nursing career. At that point, I, it was 25 years of nursing and um, I was feeling burned out. I was feeling like I just, this is just something I'm doing as a robot. And it was really heartbreaking to me because nursing has always been what I wanted to do with my life. and. So getting to that point, having the great corporate job where I don't have to do hands-on patient care, but I can still affect those patients in another way, that was the ultimate goal to be able to do that in that setting. But it just became too much for me mentally 
that take on all of all of the corporate type of nursing, all the things that comes with that. After doing all of that um, to get where I wanted to be, I decided to take a break and scrolling through social media, looking at, you know, what was going on in the world during that time. So I discovered short-term rental and I was just very intrigued by it. So I just wanted to check it out a little bit. It wasn't even anything that I said, okay, I'm going to go and do this. But as I became more proactive with studying short-term rentals and I was like, I think I can do this. Like, I really feel like I can do it. But I always had like, in the beginning, a little doubt and, and to be honest, just really scared about it because I did not go to school for this. So I had to teach myself and I did that. And I'm telling you, hours and hours of listening to Clubhouse, social media, YouTube, just all the things to try to get myself a little bit more acclimated with the industry. And so doing that, it, I got bit by the bug of being my own boss. I was like, okay, if I can work hard for everyone else and save them millions of dollars, how can I do that for myself? And so I figured it out. I was like, I'm going in, let's do it. But I still wanted to put my toes in there. So I got in there, not by ownership in the very beginning. I got in by arbitrage. And I was like, okay, I can go and discover what it is in this industry that I really like. And then build upon that after I discover what it is that I like. What feeds my passion to do this? Arbitrage was an easy way to get in as far as financially didn't require a whole lot. And also it didn't require me to go back to school for another degree. So I was like, let's do it and take it on. And I discovered short-term rental arbitrage and I love it. And so I've just been resonating and repeating, basically. And and so I'm I'm so grateful that I know a little bit more about your background is that you started off with arbitrage, but you realized quickly that you know what? Not arbitrage, not all arbitrages are created equal. Yes. yes. <laughs> They're right? absolutely not created. Not all arbitrages are created equal. And I think arbitrage does has a have a bad rep, like in the very beginning in my journey. I've been arbitraging since I want to say 2018, 2019, but I never really marketed it because my path to wealth has been ownership. And so that's the thing that I put in the forefront. But for those who are struggling with getting into ownership, they keep coming back and they want to talk about arbitrage. And I've never been one to promote it. And the reason that I decided what I will create something specific to the midterm rental arbitrage space, because if it's done differently than what we're used to, say on the clubhouse, we're going to take down 10 properties and just go for it. And then $40,000, $60,000, $75,000 later, you're looking at these four doors that are in one big apartment, class C, class D apartment unit that's not performing, then it's, oh my goodness what would just happened, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I saw that time and time again, Annette. So I was very hesitant in even promoting that. However, our type of arbitrage is we want to focus on single family homes. 
that are going to be different from what you're used to hearing when you hear arbitrage. When we hear arbitrage, we think apartments, right? But we recognize that there is a really big difference between arbitraging in an apartment and arbitraging in a single family home. Could you walk us through a little bit about your philosophy there? Because I know you personally have said no to a lot of arbitrage deals that have fallen in your lap with your expertise. You're getting deals, but you're like, no, that's not going to be worth my return on energy. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. I learned at the very beginning, everyone who's saying yes is really not a, a good fit. When you're in arbitrage, <laughs> you hear no so many times. Yeah. And then when you finally get that yes, you just want to jump in and go yeah. for it. But my experience has taught me to do a little bit more background checking on the people who I'm going to arbitrage from. Yeah. What are their responsibilities in this situation? If they're not keeping the property up to date, all of that impacts me. And so the biggest thing that has converted me to arbitraging a single family home was the control. With arbitraging apartments, there is very little control over your own business. Yeah. And, and let's remember, the, the reason why I got into this was because I wanted to be my own boss. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So if I'm yeah. arbitraging somewhere else's apartment, they're not doing the upkeep. They're not cleaning the pool when they're supposed to. If they have pets, uh, pests, not pets, pests, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that they're not. In here, I'll we talk about the pest for a second. Oh, God. That's a whole nother. That, that's a whole other episode. And the sad thing is, no matter how hard you work on your particular property, it, it transmutes. <laughs> it's like a migration pattern, right? Yeah. They will migrate to your own apartment. And that makes it difficult. And I know you, you want a top tier quality product at the end of the day. That's what you aim to provide. But if the neighbors aren't, operate at that same caliber and if the apartment as a whole not operating at the same calendar you caliber you're absolutely right it's out of control yeah yeah pests don't discriminate you can have all the luxury furniture the the, the nice bedding all of that and the pests are going to come say i don't care i didn't like it over there so i'm coming over here and there's nothing you can do about it. You can picture, but you know, so you really, really have to dig into that property. If you are going to do an apartment or things like that, you have to dig into what are the people who live there? What is their experience? Yeah, that's a good point. First hand, I want to know what it feels like. And you can go through the reviews and think, oh, but I was one person that was angry or upset at some process mm -hmm. right. and doing a retaliation. Right. But right. when you read three, four, five, six. Tell me how you really feel about the space, right? Exactly. That's a so pattern. It, it's clear as day. So yeah. in the beginning, I wouldn't have known to do that. Right. But I've learned through the experience. I have to vet these apartments and mm -hmm. any person that wants to allow arbitrage I have to vet them the same way I would do a coach, a mentor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I want to know what other people think about yeah. the place. So. No, I love that. I love that. And even if in the beginning, though, I, I find some individuals who are like, you know what? 
I know that this is not the best deal. You know what? I know it's against everything that you've taught us, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so those are like, I don't know what to do with that. And that, so talk to me about your, how you're feeling very strongly against just doing a deal. Just say, you know what? I did a deal. I'm going to do it anyway. Versus why don't I take a breather and just not rush into it? Because there's still, I feel like it's that fever for, I have 10 doors, I have 20 doors, I have 30 doors. And so you're sitting here thinking, I have zero doors. I better just pick up this door that's going to not produce. Matter of fact, it's most likely going to put me underwater, according to everything that I'm learning. Like, what made you say no? Because you're saying more no's than your yeses now. What made you say no and say, you know what, I'm going to be patient until my next door, the right door comes along. Yeah, so I just feel like a criteria. What it is that is going to feed me to put all of my passion, my time, my energy. I tell you all the time is non-refundable. So I don't want to waste two, three weeks of my time getting a place ready and then it produces nothing. So first of all, the numbers. Does the numbers make sense for what I am trying to do? What avatar am I reaching out to? Is this going to be something that fits that need? Uh, of the person that's going to rent the place. So I definitely do all my numbers first. Is this going to be profitable? Okay. Because let's remember, I'm not getting equity in this property because this is someone else's property. So what other ways can I profit and for it to make sense? Like, I don't want a place where I'm going to get $2,000, but the rent is $1,800 a month. That is a no. So I just go about making sure that it makes sense. And what my final say would be, I make sure that I'm okay with staying at this place. Yeah, it's so true. If I don't want to deal with pests coming from another apartment, then why should I ask my guests to do that? So that has really been for me, okay, what is the problem I'm going to solve? Because there's always a problem from my nursing career. That's all it was. We were constantly solving people's problems. And so how you solve those problems made you get a promotion or get some type of accolades, certifications. So if I'm going to solve a problem, I'm going to profit from this, whatever my goal is for that property then those two things right there is pretty much how I say, okay, this is a yes. But if there's any situation like the pests that come about that I cannot control, it is a definite no. It is a definite no. If I can't control it. I don't want it. Those are some really powerful words. And I hope our audience that are listening are, are hearing this out and just creating their list of criteria. And I know you're very um, dedicated in that to make sure that you are building a business that serves you. It's it's already hard, right, to build a, a small business on your own, but you want to make sure that it serves you and that you're generating the revenue to support yourself and your family. Something that you noted, if the rent is two thousand and you're thinking the rent is eighteen hundred, you think well, I'm going to make two thousand. That should be enough, but really it isn't. There's so many sunk costs associated with this strategy. And the goal of arbitrage is to de-risk yourself. We're putting you in a position 
that we want you to have less risk, not more risk. And so with that, Annette, we have a lot of busy professionals that are in the audience right now that are wanting to understand whether or not moving into real estate is the right path for them. What would you say are some of the valuable lessons or takeaways that you have gotten over the last year working for yourself, being your own business owner, walking away from burnout? What would be some takeaways that you can encourage them with? One of the things that I tell everybody all the time is my my past uh, nursing job was five days a week, Monday through Friday, no holidays, no weekends, 40 hours a week. And I was at my house doing this job, right? Beautiful setup. Now I'm my own boss and I work about 16 hours a day. <laughs> it's usually seven days a week. And I do it without complaining. I do it without being, feeling like I'm forced to do something. I get up in the morning and the first thing I do is look at my phone to see where I'm going to start my day. And I love it. I love that. And it's really been like a dream come true for me to be in the real estate industry because before all I saw was nursing. That's all I'm going to ever do. All I'm going to ever, and I was content with it in the beginning. But um, once I got burnt out and saw a different path that I could take, and I was like, I want to be good at it because I'm going to take action. I'm not the kind of person who studies forever and go into analysis paralysis. I'm taking action because seeds do not grow in your pocket. You have to plant them. You have to plant them. Well, that's so good. Yeah. 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 I love that. I'm writing that down. Seeds do not grow in your pocket. You have to plant them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. So I know that you then found me on Clubhouse, right? Could you walk the audience (laughs) through what that journey looks like? Because what I want to get to is when you talk about the numbers, that's all fine and dandy, right? Yeah, you're projecting you can make 2000 but not everyone knows that. They're projected to make two thousand, and that some people think they're going to make four thousand, but no, they were projected to make two thousand, and they don't know their numbers. And that's one thing that you attributed to connecting with me a little bit with some of the content that I was teaching. So walk the audience through that journey, just in case they did not hear the last time we interviewed you on the podcast. Yeah. So in the beginning, I was on Clubhouse, social media, and things of that nature, and then. On Clubhouse, I would see Dr. Rachel popping up. And I'm like, okay, Dr. Rachel in the real estate industry. And it didn't connect to me. And so I basically just started stalking it. <laughs> like internet stalking. Every every Clubhouse that Dr. Rachel was in, I was in. Everything on social media, if you had a Facebook Live, I was there to all of that. And so I was like, okay, this lady here is for real. She's for real. And the fact that you had that medical connection. Yeah. So you understood what that industry was like. And then it was like, okay, she can show me what this new industry is about too. So that, that for me was like the biggest aha moment that I've had, to be honest with you. So, okay. I'm going to follow this lady and whatever she says, that's what I'm doing. It was 
it just made sense and it felt right. Of course, I had some bad experiences with other people, but when I got to this experience, it felt right. And I definitely want everyone to sit down whenever you're thinking about going into any type of industry, just making sure that the industry kind of fuels you with passion because otherwise it's never going to work. I don't care what it is. It's just not going to work um, the way that you would like it to work. And, and then also find a person that can really show you the way. I think a lot of times people feel like they have to do this on their own. They have to mm-hmm. YouTube university. All of that is well and good, but that person that really understands what you're going through in, in their transition in life, um, as far as coming from your regular W-2 to now, okay, now I'm a boss for myself. And I'm telling you, I love saying I'm a boss. I love it. <laughs> and, and I feel like it. I so feel like it. It drives me. It fuels me. I still love nursing. I still nurse family, friends, and all of those people. But it's it's been great, this whole transition of going from burnt out to in real estate. And I started with the arbitrage, and then I got bit by the bug of ownership. And with your help, I was able to figure out how I was going to own my own property and go into real estate. And it still seems crazy to say that, right? I own another property that is totally rental, okay? This is crazy, but I love it. And then I end up finding a property near a beach of the Gulf Gulf Coast. And we built on that land. We built a house from ground up. We built it, matter of fact, 12 feet up. (laughs) <laughs> built it and it has been great. It has let me see both sides of this industry, the arbitrage versus ownership. And although I still arbitrage and I still do it, as a matter of fact, I'm onboarding a new arbitrage place yeah. this weekend. <laughs> so yeah, and I, I wanna I'm gonna ask you some questions about that too. I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, but it was the return on energy when you talk about that. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like when I first put up um, my listing on all the different platforms, I received a message from Airbnb saying, hey, so-and-so wants to book your place. And so, of course, I got overjoyed. It was only for two days, but it was over $1,000. And I was like, okay, this looks pretty good. And then a couple of days later, I got another text from one of my arbitrage properties and it was for a thousand dollars also but it was for eight days yeah so yeah you don't what i've learned with ownership i don't have to have 100 percent occupancy yeah i do not have to have 100 percent occupancy i have i give the quality and so with that quality i'm able to not have the 100 percent occupancy therefore my energy that I put into the place, oh my gosh, it's coming back twofold. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. And, and that is such a key difference because I know that when you had joined us, you said, you know what, you wanted to scale the arbitrage side and I'm, I'm here for you. I'm going to support you every step of the way, but I kept trying to pinch you on this. I was like, what about ownership? And what about ownership? And what about ownership? Because that is where you build that generational wealth. 
And I know how important it was for you to build something that your daughter could have. And that that is what I've seen you build. And we're going to go into the different strategies that you're leveraging because you are a total rock star. Um, going back to what you mentioned a little bit earlier, you stated that the numbers, what those numbers are looking like. And something you said to me when we were speaking previously, had you know, which now some of the deals that you said yes to, you would not have said yes to them because of the numbers. And now that you're looking at feedback and all of that, could you talk a little bit more about the importance of the data and how valuable you find that to be analyzing it ahead of time? Yes, absolutely. So now when I go into getting the data, doing the numbers, as I call them, I before I even make a call or send an email or send a message, I already know what the potential is of that property. Mm-hmm. I already know what that potential is. And learning how to do the numbers was key for me to continue to scale my arbitrage because I did not know it. I Honestly, I got two apartments, different locations. And just because they said, yes, I went with it. I yeah. was like, okay, yeah. this is great. As, as I start to go into things, I'm like, okay, the return on energy and the return on investment is not good. <laughs> so yeah. what are we going to do about that? So that was really, for me, a defining moment as to, okay, how can I can get this return on energy and return on investment to increase? And learning to do the numbers, learning the ordinances, learning what it is that the problem I'm going to solve, all of that was key and instrumental for me to learn that. And going on AirDNA, Dabba.Rabu, all of these different websites, and really comparing all the data before I even make the call. That's what I do now. Back then, I got the place, and then I figured out, okay, this is not doing the numbers that I want. But I'm in the lease now, okay? So I got to make it work. But now, before I go into a lease, those numbers are already backing that decision. And so doing the numbers before you even get bright-eyed, bushy-tailed about a property, you need to do the numbers because it, it doesn't make sense if it doesn't make money. So you were a student, now you're mentee inside of our programs, which I'm super excited about. How do you feel that the program specifically help you to transition into, I'm going to launch more arbitrage. You know what? Let me be really specific about my numbers. Let me build a beach house. Let me build my co-hosting business. Let me build arbitrage single family. Like, how do you feel that it's helped you to change your mindset and your positioning of what you want your future portfolio to look like? So it's built me a roadmap, really step by step. And which I needed because remember, I didn't go to school for this. This <laughs> never uh, even in the back of my brain. But going through the program, it, it provided me the steps. Okay, if this is where you want to be, then this is what you need to do to get there. And then having um, someone to give you that honest feedback as to, oh, that might not be the best decision. I think for a lot of people, they get a a couple of people around them that say yes, but mm-hmm. you need that person that's going to say no. <laughs> and so right. I have become that person who will say no yeah. to my mentees. And I love doing it because I was that person 
two years ago. I didn't know anything about the industry. I didn't know anything about setting up a listing, anything about operations. And now that stuff fuels me. So when a mentee comes to me and they're even thinking about coming into my program, they're like, and they're telling me about a problem. I'm already fixing it before we even said we're going to do this. <laughs> so I love you so much. I'm already, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to, yeah. like, and so, because yeah. I got that from the program, these are the steps. Okay. Let's mitigate the problems before they become problems. Okay. And being able to share that with other pe- people who are just getting into the industry, just like I was, is, is wonderful and it is humbling. It is very humbling. I love it. I love it. And I think the passion that I have for medical professionals, it's never going to subside. I know we do attract engineers and attorneys and a variety of other professions, but I understand the pain points. And I know that you all are working so hard already, right? The last thing you need to have in your is more work on your plate. And we're obsessed in our program with figuring out how to make the path as easy as possible so you can leapfrog from one lily pad to the next. Even if the ocean is trying to come and get you, nope, nope, we're just going <laughs> to. Because there, there's a lot of information out there, right? There's a lot of information out there and we're often comparing ourselves to this person or this type of investment or that person. And then what it does is it, is it reduces confidence. And so my goal is to help you to confidently know when a deal is a yes and when a deal is a heck no. <laughs> you play with that. Yes. It's okay to say, hey, it's a no this time. Because yeah. that wasn't the one for me. Yeah. I had to learn that and I had to be able to receive that. Yeah. And why when I mentor other people, I'm like, all money is not good money. Yeah. Just because they said yes, doesn't mean it's going to be a good yes. I love that I've been able to help people um, that were in my situation two, two years ago because everyone will tell you how to get the key, how to get close the deal and all of that. But no one walked me through like hand and hand. Mm-hmm. And so being able to do that, because I, I get all engulfed into my mentees. They'll tell you, it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, did, did you complete your assignment? Mm-hmm. Because what would, what did we say? See, do not grow in your pocket. Yes. And I love doing it. And a lot of that. I have to credit you and the program, your program, for just helping me to figure this out. Yeah. And really just to get it done successfully. Oh, I love that, Annette. And what I love about you is you're definitely an action taker. You're someone that did say no to a few things that you brought my way. I was like, I don't think so. Because again, having been there, done that, I could see a little bit further and you listen and you get really quiet and you take action, right? You take yeah. action and you just completely move the needle. And I think it's transformed your life. And now I see social media posts, Annette helped me do this and Annette helped me do that. And you're completely rocking it in the in the industry. And so with that, you just messaged me a couple of days ago that you have a brand new deal. And before I jump into that, I do want to give uh, another insight into you, Annette, that we did not mention. 
So far, all of your properties that you own, you manage, you arbitrage are not in the specific state that you live in. (laughs) And so when people say, can I manage this one property remotely? I say, you need to join in and talk to Annette. She is the queen of managing (laughs) everything, all of the years, except for where she lives. Okay, that is her area of expertise. So could you tell us before we jump into this particular deal, what would you say are two or three key um, components of what would make someone successful if they're looking to manage remotely? The question I always get, is it possible? Obviously, it's possible. But what are two or three things that you think that makes it possible to be able to manage remotely? My number one is operations. Yes. Your operations, regardless of where you are, should pretty much about 90% be the same. And that 10% is just maybe a local issue, a local meaning you had the beach, so you got to do this a little bit differently versus mm-hmm. being in an apartment complex or things of that nature. That's that's number one. You got mm-hmm. you have to dial down the operations. Yep. And one of the key things that I do when I'm creating operations is I'm preventing the problem from ever happening. Mm-hmm. I never want to be an emergency room nurse because you. The, the problem is already there. <laughs> I wanted to be the person to keep you from the emergency room. That is what you have. What I have to do when I'm building our operations. Yeah. And basically, I rinse and repeat. I'm in four states now, uh, and all of them are different from where I live, as you mentioned. But the operations are the same. It's the same playbook. Um, with little tweak just because of where the property is located. And then the second thing is creating that team. You have to have a team if you're going to op- operate remotely. I say you have to have a team even if you're locally. Yeah. Why would you be cleaning your property when you can spend those two, three, four hours on making transitioning for the next deal, getting more people into that property, yeah. all of those things. So um, I always advise people, even if you have, if you can walk across the street and do the laundry, I suggest that you do not do that. You take that time to work on your business instead of in your business. Mm-hmm. And so those are my two operations, creating a team. I love that. I love that. And so what would you say are some of your most common, maybe one or two most common, quote unquote, emergencies that you see newbie hosts um, often overlook, but it's something that you're like, of course, this is something you should have expected. And of course, this is something you could have avoided. And once you hear you're like, not this again, What would you say are a couple of those things that a newbie host should be on the lookout for and they should have something in place to to prepare for it? This goes back to my number two, knowing your cleaner's experience. Mm-hmm. People Ooh. always ask me, how do you find cleaners? You're in one state, the property's in another state. Mm-hmm. The internet is everywhere. Yeah. And people can be whoever they want to be on the internet also. So you really have to do your due diligence about making sure that your cleaner is okay with doing certain things, such as 
is it if I need the battery of the camera changed out and you're going there to clean, are you okay with doing that? Just making those things stand out more. Doing a vetting process, understand what your needs are, what the property needs are, and making sure that cleaner understands what it is. Yeah. All cleaners who clean house do not know how to clean a short-term rental. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a second. Yes. Can we talk about that? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I've seen people say, oh, I clean my mama's house or I clean my neighbor's house. <laughs> and now, I, yeah, I have experience. But do you yeah. understand that short-term rental, you not only need to clean the inside of the toilet, you need to clean the outside of the toilet. <laughs> you need to go around the bottom of the toilet. You need to... the bathtub don't just clean the sides of it you need to go down there and deep if you got a mat you gotta take that mat up make sure that there's no hair so all of these things are not known by someone who just cleans mm-hmm. just for the sake of cleaning this is mm-hmm. someone a short-term rental cleaner has to have a special eye to be able to catch details because that cleaner is your eyes and your ears when you are not there. That is so true. And they could really make or break your business, right, Annette? Because you're thinking, oh, let me just, I'm just going to brush this under the rug. But if you let a bad cleaner to go by the wayside, it's difficult to recover from those terrible reviews. Some people have had to delist their property and create new listing because of a bad clean. So the cleaners is one of the most important parts of your business. So thank you for reminding us of that. And another thing I I may add, if if you don't mind me adding is the cleaners, it's a hospitality clean, of course, but it's also, they need to have an eye for staging too. Don't just throw the pillows on there. It's clean, but the space needs to look spick and span and, and, and inviting. And if, there are photos that they could uh, leverage and use to identify how do they want the pillows so that we can represent the space in the way that it was marketed online. So that's a really good real world um, scenario. The cleaning teams can be an asset or a liability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, you never uh, want a bad review based on the cleaning. Oh yeah. my gosh. That will tank your listing before anything else. And to your point about the photos, all of my properties, this is one of my operations things. We have a stage photo with every room as it is pictured on the listing. And we have the instructions under that photo so that the cleaner knows, okay, this is the blanket and it needs to lay on this part of the bed. Like we're, we're that detailed. <laughs> To where yeah. we have to make sure that every little thing is um, exactly the way that the pictures are. And that way the, the cleaner doesn't have to try to remember. Yeah. Um, it's in the cleaner's closet for her to reference or him. Yeah, you're right. And the clarity, you may think, oh my gosh, is that obvious? We have to be clear. Let's be honest. I've, I've learned that through going through, cycling through a lot of virtual assistants, a lot of cleaners. To be unclear is to be unkind. You, they can't read our minds. So that clarity that you provided, which you just mentioned in the operations of having it all detailed, place the blanket like this, place the pillows like this. And mm-hmm. and you see it in the photos. And I can't tell you how much it burns my biscuits when I see the pillow kind of sideways. 
And I, I never thought something like that could trigger me, but that actually triggers me. What does film look like? And so it's kindly communicating what your expectations are because when it happens and it's the way that you weren't expecting, you you weren't anticipating, and that the cleaner, if you could take an honest little look at yourself and say, you know what, they were trying hard. You got to look internally. You got to ask yourself, okay, did I not provide the tools, the resources that the cleaner needed to do the best that they could possibly do? And I know that's where you shine, Annette, because you're right. Getting the key is just one sliver of, of the process of building out the operations so that you can have that freedom to breathe again. That's the value. The value of your business is really the back end, the operations that you're able to build out. So I love that. Annette, let's talk a little bit about the deal that she just took down, because I know that you're launching your uh, next MTR uh, midterm rental wealth arbitrage deal. We're going to speak wealth into existence right there because um, it is uh, a single family home. I don't want to spill the tea, but why don't you give us some of the, the details and walk us through that particular deal? Basically, how I started the arbitrage for the MTR was, of course, the MTR space is, is, is getting really popular now. So I was the first thing I said, what problem can I solve? I'm, I'm near um, a city where there is a problem as far as housing, especially when it comes to emergency housing. I started looking into the numbers in different areas um, around town, and I said, oh, Maybe I'll do this arbitrage actually here in the state where I live. Which is finally <laughs> totally new for me. Wow. I was okay, I'll create this space. Of course, did my numbers, um, pinpoint different locations. And then I took actually one of your tools, your arbitrage list, kind of accountability. The know? tracker, yeah, the accountability yeah, tracker. Exactly. Yeah. It, yes. It's so, kind of, so much accountability there. You open the spreadsheet and it tells you, you didn't do this on that thing. <laughs> yes. In your face. So I, I did follow the tracker. I went in to, I believe it was Zillow. And I just started looking for uh, potential landlords, top landlords. Who might have a little situation? How long has this yeah. place been on the market? Things of that nature. And so... I sent out a couple of emails day after day, make calls day after day after day. Uh, luckily, I got a response back. I got a couple of responses, but I didn't say yes to those. But I got a, a response that I did a drive-by. And then I was like, let ah. me go check it out before I say yes. Uh, so let's talk about the ones that you didn't say yes to in the beginning, because I just want to keep emphasizing that because we live in a society where it's let's go, let's say yes, but... Sometimes the best deals are the deals you say no to. So what were some of the red flags uh, for those who are new to the to this realm? What would you say, say were some of the red flags that just came out at you immediately that, you know what, I'm not really feeling this particular deal? Yeah, I got a couple of yeses for apartments. Mm -hmm. And it, I just kept going back to how much control am I going to have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I really don't you. want anyone else to have control of my business. I want to have control as much as I possibly can. Yes. I, I said no 
to a couple of them because of some Google reviews. Yeah. Google you reviews see? will tell all. So um, <laughs> you're not bringing notes of those. Yeah. And there was like two or three houses, but as I checked them out, they weren't a good fit. So I said no for that reason. Um, one of them, they, the rent was very expensive, pretty much double a mortgage payment. And it, it that just didn't make the sense. The numbers don't make sense, right? Yeah, so I bad did. reviews, numbers that don't make sense, yes. Yeah. All those are great are... reasons to say no, the audience. <laughs> bad neighborhoods. Yeah. I've yeah. had a couple of who, who were okay with me, but the neighborhood was not good. I don't want to yeah. walk out of the front door and see broken down cars in the yard. Yeah. <laughs> and things like that. So, right. Um, because those know. those neighborhoods, you're not going to be able to demand the number that you're looking for if you are in a class D type of neighborhood. You're just not. That's a reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need quality. If you're going to charge for quality, you need to yes. be slide. Yeah. yeah. And as I said before, if it's not a place I would stay, why am I mm-hmm. this for someone else to stay? That's not. Because my target audience is me. Yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. what I like. Those are the ones that I definitely said no to. I was like, mm-hmm. this just doesn't fit. And mm-hmm. I wasn't in a rush. I didn't feel like I had to take those yeses and go- move forward with it. Good I, for you. I just sat and waited for the right deal. I love that. I love that. And so you found the one. So what was your, what were the two or three things for that particular deal that you say, what well, this is a good fit for me? They were moving out. They actually wanted someone to come in a couple of weeks ago. Mm. But I was, let me come and check out the place. Make sure that it's a good fit. The neighborhood is the The house is great. I I didn't want something that was run down that I was going to have to practically rehab in order Mm -hmm. for it to bring it up to standards. So did you say that to them? You just want to go come and check it out? Or you were just thinking that to yourself? Because I want to touch on that. I said to them. Yeah, I said, said, yeah. Up a- and I, I want to talk about that for a second because I think it's so important. And I, and I want this community, this MTR Wealth Arbitrage community that we're building to understand that you are the asset. The property is, yeah, it will become the asset, but you're the asset. You're the gift. You're the one that has the knowledge or you will have access to the knowledge because you're going to be plugged in, guys, with people like Annette, myself, legal team and a variety of resources to make sure that you're the asset. You're going to know how to design it in a way that's going to make sure that the property is kept in the best light. And so I like that you said, you know what, let me come and check and make sure this is a good need for the clientele that I want to serve. That is so important. It's not, let me come here and beg for this property. No, let me make sure it's a good fit. Because I'm the asset. With my clipboard, my paper too, Walking through, testing, yes, nothing to sleep, making sure there was no water leak. Yeah, yes, so. you. I love that. I love, and it's a different, isn't it? A different vibe because I want us to get out of the desperation energy yeah. and into this higher, <laughs> elevated vibe, yeah. so to speak. Yes, yes, because I've signed leases sight unseen mm-hmm. and walked in, going, "Oh my gosh, what did really? I do?" Yeah. 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 And that's what I don't want for our community. Yeah. yeah. 
And I know that's what you don't want either. <laughs> that's right. why you say no more than you say yes now. Yeah. Because uh, those, those, that glossy photo online was looking like, yeah. But this look like the video I see. <laughs> I'm putting my eyes on it. I am doing yeah. a semi-inspection while yeah. I'm doing a walkthrough. I don't want yeah. a real place and you have a water problem and you're not yeah. taking care yeah. of it. That tells me you're not going to take care of it when I come here. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that right. matters. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I went and I did the walkthrough. We scheduled the walkthrough. And I liked it. But the rent was a little bit out of my desired taste. I love this part. <laughs> so me. by me realizing that I'm the asset, I bargained. Yeah. Or the rent to go down. I love that. I live for this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Tell um, me. So I use my credibility mm-hmm. as an already per- a person that already arbitraged. Mm-hmm. My business set up. Mm-hmm. I have tax identification numbers. Mm-hmm. Everything a professional. What happened? Because I'm yeah. asking them to rent their property to me to use for my business. So I want to show up as a business person, Mm -hmm. someone who has all of those things lined up. I also have references from past landlords saying how great I was with occupying their space. I love it. All the guidelines of how you vet a person, how we're going to do that, how we're going to ensure that your property is kept up to date. How we are financially incentivized to make sure that your property is in great condition. Yeah. Professional cleaners. Yeah. All of that. I saw all of No that. other tenant is going to offer that. Like, yeah. no long-term tenant is offering that. Yeah. No. Absolutely yeah. not. So, I was able to present that as my credibility. Mm-hmm. And then, then I was able to bargain. Let's take a couple of hundred off of that. Uh, and so, yeah, so we signed the lease and here we are uh, this weekend. We will be uh, starting the onboarding process and getting the property ready for hopefully before Christmas. I'm really thinking it will be. Oh, I love it. And you will get there for sure. No, that really excites me. And that you have provided us some amazing insights. You had walked us through all kinds of deals. I do want us to wrap it up and talk a little bit about how you're supporting other hosts. I know that you're that's not something that you share with everyone because you're very picky with who you work with. Your role, your mission is to not buy yourself into another job. But you I I, I have to give you a shout out because you've helped many doctors in our community, attorneys, just a variety of individuals not only launch their properties, but make in uh, an incredible amount of revenue on properties, whether it's Colorado or the Gulf Coast, where they really didn't see a way that they could squeeze more juice out of it, you were able to find that extra juice to squeeze for them. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like, because some people have been asked, what is co-hosting? And it's the same skill set, really. But would you mind sharing how your journey started with co-hosting? Wow, co-hosting was another one of those journeys that I had never thought about. So even once I got in the industry, I was like, I'm 
I'm going to take care of somebody else's property. And fortunately, I got the right fit as far as an owner. Okay. My owner wanted to be passive and I like the passive owner. So that was a great connection. Turned out she is a physician. So I'm still working with physicians. <laughs> Another member of our community. And Alyssa, you remember how I said in the beginning, not all car, uh, arbitrage deals are created equal. Not all co-host deals are created equal either. Exactly. Oh, exactly. man. I have someone outside of the community that I first started co-hosting with. And it honestly, it was not good for me at all. So, or, and not good for anyone. So what, uh, for those who are thinking to themselves, I just bought a property. It's doing really well. I'm trying to get a little bit of capital to raise my capital to uh, buy my next property. I'm thinking of co-hosting. What are two or three, I would say, red flags, Annette, of who not to work with <laughs> in terms of uh, potential co-hosting clients? So for me, I like the passive investor. And by passive, I don't mean that they just don't do anything. The beautiful relationship that I have with my host right now that I'm co-hosting for is she trusts me. So I built trust, the trust factor. If your host doesn't trust you to make decisions for the property, it will impede progress because now you have to keep going to that host to do things that are good for the property. Making sure that from the beginning, both parties understand what their role is. My role is to give you superior guest communication, cleaning team communication. Your role is to make sure that the property is up to standard. Okay? And so making sure that those two things align between the host and the co-host is really huge as far as making sure that the relationship is good. You, you, some people think you don't have to have a relationship. I feel better with having a relationship because I understand what the needs and the goals are. And if you don't understand what that host needs and goals are, there's no way you're going to help them accomplish those goals because ultimately there is a goal somewhere. Yeah, there's a goal somewhere where you're doing uh, real estate, whether it be for retirement, mm -hmm. whether it be for vacationing, whatever it is, there's some kind of goal when people purchase mm -hmm. property. So making sure not that to throw you not to throw you for a loop, Annette, but this is so important. I want to give a reality check to to our community because sometimes you have to take them off of a a high horse and bring them down to reality. Your goals may be over here. But here's what this property can really generate. You're hearing all these other people speak about such and such. And I know you've had to do this before, but your photos aren't even showing the space. We need to reshoot photos. We need to do this and that and the other. So how do you have those uh, difficult conversations with your host so that they feel like they don't feel attacked? <laughs> and they feel like, okay, maybe she is speaking truths to get me closer to my goal as possible because I just had a difficult conversation with a gentleman last week. I'm not accepting co-hosting clients, but this was a horse ranch and it was 11 bedrooms and it was really specific to a, a, a different goal that I had. And the numbers that he wanted to generate right away, I was like, there's no way. 
I was like, I- I'm going to be, he wanted $1,800 a night is what he was expecting. And because he knows that he's rented properties from us, he was actually an uh, old guest. He was renting from us and we were generating that and then some. And so he was expecting that because the property was large, but yet the property was unfortunately dated. It was an eight out of 10 on the Richter scale of hazards. We fell through the stairs. Oh, wow. Yikes. Yikes. I was like, I wouldn't let anyone into this house. (laughs) You're not getting 1800. Like until we could, before we talk about cuteness, like, I never thought I would have to go all in on hazards as much as it was a hazard and a liability. So how do you have those difficult conversations when the expectation is unrealistic? They saw a podcast, they heard something from someone else and they're thinking, hey, I'm going to make these big numbers, but their property is nowhere near what needs to happen. I know you had a property with no pillowcases at one point. You've seen it all. What do those conversations look like? Those reality checks. So one of the things about me, even in my personal life, people tell you I don't sugarcoat much. And if they want the truth, people always call me because they want the straight The the real truth, the true truth. If you look bad in that black dress, I always say, Rachel, Mm. that black dress is not working for you. (laughs) I'm the same way with my host. She may have her expectations and then I say, here. This is what the numbers support. Here are examples of the yeah. properties that are getting those numbers. Yeah. So we need a look. We have a little work to do. <laughs> we have a little work to do. <laughs> and and there's nothing like the numbers, though. Like, it's not, it's no longer Annette is trying to attack me, right? The numbers are, they don't lie. Let's see. Let's just right. see. Yeah. And so, with, and, and I only have the one host, but I managed six properties for her. And she started off me. That's because you fired some other ones, by the way. Yeah. Like, let's not talk about yeah, that. I fired a couple of others. What's going to be a good fit for me? Right. So with this one, she gave me one property. And I don't know if that was like a test, but we built a good relationship. And then the numbers and the goals that she wanted to reach work bad with me bringing in my operations my sops with me bringing all so it was like okay this is what she said before i had to get the place to this level and now she's proven it so that's what you have to do with it with when you're taking on a host who has like different expectations let them know okay this is what's possible but this is how we need to get there and if you don't have that trust that relationship trust with your host, then it's going to be pretty difficult to get to that goal. So good. So good. And I love how you, again, prefaced it with, yes, I'm going to give the truth, but you're backing it up with the numbers. You're not mm-hmm. just out there pie in the sky. This is it. No, the numbers, they really tell the story. So that as we wrap up this amazing and insightful conversation, what final piece of advice would you give our listeners, especially those who are in the medical field, they're thinking about whether they want to own a property or leverage an arbitrage strategy. How do you think what we're building in our program can play a role uh, for them to transition them into success 
and getting their foot in the door. So I would definitely say to my former self, like when I was in the W-2 and not really feeling it, start learning about the industry then. Yes. Start learning about all the different things. There's so many facets of short-term rental, mid-term rental, all of that, owning, arbitrage, co-hosting, like all of the things. But where is it that you want to focus if it's one thing? And start doing that while you're on that W-2. So then when you decide to make that transition into real estate, then, hey, you may be able to just walk away if you transition correctly. It's all about setting yourself up for that transition because if you're burnt out in the medical field, you're not giving your patients what they need. And ultimately, that's why I because I felt like I wasn't giving my patients what they need because the joy wasn't there. But understand that's not the end-all, be-all because that's what you went to school for. When I was coming up, school was the thing. Whatever you went to school, that was supposed to determine your life, your livelihood. But that doesn't have to be. You can work on that transition or having a plan B for when you said, no, I just can't do this anymore. So definitely set yourself up the transition. Oh, I love that. And there are so many different... um... I would say advantages to leveraging this strategy while you're still working because you're able to qualify for to purchase property as well. So keep that in mind. Just very amazing advice, guys. Thank you so much for listening on that. Thank you for sharing your remarkable journey and all of the insights with us today. Your story is just not only is it inspiring, but it, it is a testament of the power that comes with really pouring into yourself. You were dedicated. You did your research. You poured over the numbers night and day. You gained the experience. And so thank you for the guidance that you are providing in our programs and out there for the communities. To our listeners, I hope Annette's experience motivates you to explore all the opportunities inside of the short-term rental and mid-term rental world. Because just know that with the right tools, with the right network, with the right support, Like what we provide inside of our program, you too can turn your real estate dreams into a reality. Thank you again for tuning in. Stay inspired as you embark on this journey and in growth and in your future investments. Love you all to the moon and back. Bye-bye for now.